0: Good day everyone. This is Bob Keebler and welcome to Marty's and my discussion of the Payroll Protection Program Flexibility Act of 2020. It was enacted into law last night and is expected to be signed by the President very soon. Joining me today is Marty Shankman who's accompanied me for many of these conferences on PPP. So I'm honored to be here with Marty and more importantly we're both honored to be here with you. Today we'd like to spend, this This bill is not that complex for somebody that already knows PPP in about 10 or 15 minutes, uh, maybe a little longer, maybe a little shorter, Marty and I will walk you through this. Um, Marty, let's start with the first thing. Loan maturity has gone from two years to five years. What does that mean? Does that mean if I borrowed and everything is not forgiven, I now have five years to repay that at that very attractive 1% interest rate?
1: that's, That's my understanding, Bob. And obviously for everybody, the goal is to get as much if not everything forgiven And I think the new leniency that they've given subject to uh, the quirky language we're going to talk about on the 60%, um, I think it's going to be a lot easier for people to get their loans forgiven. Uh, Having a 24-week period, which uh, we'll come to in a second, Uh, makes it much more likely to meet the criteria. They've really loosened up everything. But the five years is certainly a a sigh of relief for those that can't get all of their loan forgiven because of the employee limitations. It gives them much more breathing room to repay this very favorable low-interest loan. Do you want to cover item two? Sure. So what's happened here is the covered period used to be till
0: June 30th. Remember, that was kind of the the end of the cutoff where you had to spend your money. Now, 24 weeks. Marty and I were talking about this right before we went on. That means you have 24 weeks of pure payroll you can get into this equation, which is gonna make it much easier and eliminate a lot of the debates on what happens with a large profit sharing or defined benefit plan. Um, A lot of that will fall, fall apart or fall away because remember, everything was based on The original calculation of the amount you could borrow and that was based on I think a 10-week period of time and we thought we were going to have eight weeks to measure forgiveness now we have 24 weeks compared to 10 weeks it's going to be very easy to see how almost everybody's gonna get complete forgiveness so this was a major giveaway by Congress going out to 24 weeks the logic behind that Marty I think was that some businesses couldn't open Certainly, if you're a business um, in a big city where the virus is terrible, um, you're not going to be able to open, and you're going to go right by June 30th, never getting a penny of forgiveness. And, right. and
1: you've been tremendously affected. Right. The, 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 I think when the, we, we've talked about this in prior programs, when the PPP program was initially enacted... The idea was we're going to have a couple of months at most where we're going to have this closure. We want to help small businesses get through that couple of month period. And the realization has now come that for, as you say, many, many businesses, certainly, especially in some of the hot uh, hot spots like New York City, uh, for example, uh, and there's other ones that are becoming hot spots, they're not going to be up and running at a sufficient pace Uh, in that eight week period. So by stretching this out, it makes it a lot easier. One of the things that I've seen is is some borrowers were trying to piece together all the utilities and little odds and ends that they could find these small dollar figures just to try to add up what they could to get to the total forgiveness level or at least as close as they can. Now with this extended period, that's not gonna be an issue and uh, they should be able to qualify. One of the other things you and I were talking about uh, this morning, was that for professional practices? You know, probably everybody on this call, um, they're often very salary heavy, and um, stretching it out will enable them to uh, get probably close to 100% utilization for uh, appropriate expenditures uh, for the funds that they've borrowed uh, because they may not have the high rent and some of the other expenses to, to, to get there otherwise. And this extended period of time. Uh, should make it work. Remember, we had two and a half times uh, compensation. Was how you came up with the number, which was then tough to get your full expenditures in an eight-week period. But now that it goes out to twenty-four weeks, for those that were struggling to be able to use all the money appropriately, it should be. A, uh, it should be fairly simple. And
0: I agree with that, Marty. Now let's
1: talk about a big change.
0: Originally, the bill had nothing about the seventy-five percent test. Then the SBA without regulatory authority, created the 75% test, which I think would have been eventually thrown out by the courts. And now Congress has codified a new 60% test. So that means that if I had $60,000 of payroll, I could get up to $100,000 of forgiveness. And that, that basically that makes sense to me, um, at least the math. So now we know how that math works. It's going to help a lot of people fall within the forgiveness. Uh, Marty, let's talk about this full-time equivalent.
1: One last quick point just to emphasize, and you kind of said it, but I just want to make sure it's clear for everyone. When the SBA promulgated, if that's the right word to use, the 75% test, The issue Bob was raising is because there was no statutory authority for it. Somebody may have gone to court to challenge them in order to get forgiveness. And nobody wants to go through that. Nobody wants that long, drawn-out, costly process. And it would leave uncertainty for lots of other borrowers. This is now codified once the president signs it. So the 60% is now law. It's not uh, just an enactment of the SBA. So that question is now resolved. You have to meet the 60% test but it's certainly a lot easier than the 75% test, and it make it much easier for people to qualify and get full forgiveness. The uncertainty, though, will be resolved, subject to the quirky language. Now let's look at what they did with the full-time
0: equivalent ratio. Remember, that was the ratio. You had to bring everybody back to get full forgiveness, and then people said, wait a minute, how can I bring everybody back? I'm not allowed to open. And Congress said, you're right. This is terrible. We have to fix it. So now they pushed the date for all that testing back to 123120, but they also provided an exception if the employer can document the inability to rehire. And basically, Marty, walk us through what's going on there with that exception. So we get to December, my employees won't come back, I can't get them back, the the state or the or the federal government says, sorry, you, sorry Charlie, you can't open up yet. Um, so what's really
1: going on there? Hang on one second, Bob. I was trying to fix it, the slide, but I couldn't do it. Um, they realize that not everyone's gonna come back. There are people that may have found new jobs. There are people that may be afraid because of health issues to come back um you know i i'm you know i assume that the 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 bonus uh if that's the right word to use unemployment compensation is going to be uh, uh over by then but for whatever reason some people just won't be coming back to work and they don't want to penalize the employer based on this this formula um and prorate down what they're allowed to forgive because they couldn't get an employee to come back um and if they couldn't hire similarly situated employees they shouldn't be penalized. So it sounds like, again, all of this is great leniency for the borrowers.
0: And I think that's going to help a lot of people. Now, a couple of other things, or one other thing we should talk about in particular, we're now allowed to defer half of our Social Security payments all the way through December 31st, 2020. That's a big deal. Um, in that math. Um, any of us can figure out the value of that fairly, fairly easily, but Marty, let's look at this from a non mathematical perspective. Let's talk about this in the context of a a necessary challenge. And so if I, if I borrowed 2.1 million, I'm going to have a necessary challenge. The government is going to say, was this necessary? And if you do not take the borrowing against, or the ability borrowing against your Social Security, um, I think you create an Achilles heel where the U.S. Attorney is going to ask you, why didn't you borrow? You were so desperate for cash that you needed the PPP loan, but yet you didn't take advantage of the deferral of the employer side of Social Security. Marty, can you frame that out for us and let us know how uh, certainly that should be looked at?
1: Yeah, the necessary challenge uh, is and we all remember this from the original certification, when when the PPP program first came out, we were all struggling with what that necessary uh, provision meant. And then there were a number of large, well-known, well-respected companies that borrowed uh, under the PPP program, uh, and were sort of shamed, if you will, into to returning the funds. The idea was that it had to be necessary under current economic conditions. Uh, to get the loan to support ongoing operations. And even that was subject to so much wide uncertainty. I mean, at the time that uh, uh, this program was initiated, the, the stock market was down 30%. We thought the bottom was falling out of the the, the economy. Um, and uh, I, I think anybody anywhere would have said, yeah, it's necessary because my gosh, the the, the, the future looks horribly bleak. Um, what they then did is they, they suggested that even... Uh, a large employee that uh, uh, had access to liquidity like a public company uh, would not meet the necessary requirement. They then applied that to privately held companies, and then they backed off and came up with a new criteria that said if your loan is under $2 million, you will be presumed to have met the necessary requirement in good faith because at under 2 million, that's just an arbitrary cutoff, but we're gonna assume you did not have the access to capital markets that a larger company did. But for anybody with a loan of 2 million or more, you've got to meet the necessary requirement and you want to document it because that's going to be critical. And you have a box to check on the forgiveness form to say that you're over 2 million and, and, and you know to, to, to really uh, highlight you for audit because they've promised 100% audit rate. So what Bob is pointing out is just sort of a logical extension that, gee, if you really felt it was necessary and the government's giving you the ability to defer paying social security tax, the employer share, why wouldn't you take advantage of that if it was necessary because of current economic conditions to get a loan. So in addition to the general documentation, Bob's common sense advice is document and take advantage of the Social Security deferral. Bob?
0: Well, thank you, Marty. Uh, We have covered a lot of ground today. Um, There's a number of great things going on in this bill. For those of you that already understood this, hopefully Marty and I have smoothed out some rough edges on the Paycheck Protection Program Flexibility Act which just passed the U.S. Senate. Thank you for joining us for a PPP update.